0: Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of Conversations with Father Greg. In this episode, we have a homily for Sunday, March thirteenth, 2022, which is the second Sunday in the season of Lent. Let's begin with a reading from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction, their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation, so that it may be conformed to the body of His glory, by the power that also enables Him to make all things subject to Himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. The Word of the Lord. May I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, hi there, and welcome back. Today I'd like to begin our time together with a question. Have you ever had a role model? Someone that you wanted to be like? For most of my life, I have been a big fan of the show Star Trek. Over the years, there have been eight live-action TV franchises, plus more than one animated series. In addition, there have been about a dozen movies. I've watched them all. Don't laugh, but when I was a boy, I wanted to grow up to be like Spock, the Vulcan first officer of the Enterprise. I admired his encyclopedic knowledge and his logical, well-reasoned approach to life. Not only that, he had the innate ability to remain calm and cool in the most chaotic of situations. If I had to name a famous childhood role model, it would have been Spock from Star Trek. Our reading from Paul's letter to the Philippians today talks a little bit about role models. Our text opens with Paul writing these words to the Christians in Philippi. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. Well, at first blush, these words sound a little egotistical, but listen to how another Bible translator puts them. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running this same course headed for this same goal. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, and trying to get you to go along with them. Paul isn't encouraging the Philippians to idolize him or to worship him. Rather, it's as though he's inviting them along on a journey and pointing out some of the pitfalls along the way. We began today with a question, and I've got another one for you. When was the last time that you received a letter or an email? Now, I suspect very few of us would take one paragraph out of the middle of any piece of correspondence and try to generalize the entire letter from that one portion. The same can be said for what we find in the Bible. The context of our reading is important. When we look at the context of our reading today, Paul is encouraging the Christians in Philippi to stay true to their faith in Jesus Christ. Earlier on in chapter 3, Paul cautioned them against those who would expect the Christians in Philippi to be bound to the old legalistic ways of Judaism. He particularly made reference to those who said that salvation came through circumcision. Paul went on to say that if anyone had any reason to be confident in the old ways, it was Paul himself. He went on to list all the credentials that justified him under the law. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He was a member of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, he was blameless. Paul concludes his list by saying that when he encountered the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus, he realized that all his credentials were worthless. It was Paul's encounter with the living Christ that transformed his life and turned Paul from being a persecutor of Christianity into one of its greatest defenders in the first century. Paul was telling his audience that his life made a 180, and it wasn't based on his credentials, it was based on Christ. This is what we read in his letter to the Philippians. He encourages them to be like him, in the sense that he did not base his sense of self-worth on his own accomplishments or on the traditions of his past, but rather on who and what God said he was. So what does this mean for you and I today? Well, in the first case, Paul reminds us not to be distracted by things that are secondary. In other words, we are reminded to keep the main thing the main thing. Paul encouraged the Philippians not to allow old customs to distract them from the person of Jesus Christ and his work in their lives. Paul cautions against people who were saying that circumcision was the gold standard for gaining God's approval. In our modern context, I don't think circumcision is a big deal but that doesn't mean that there aren't other things that threaten to distract us from God's work in our lives. You know, it's funny. I once read an article that said that the two most contentious things in the life of a congregation are the style of music and the color of the carpet. The particular distraction could be virtually anything. Style of music, which service book we use, how the priest dresses, or any one of a thousand other things. The particulars of the distraction are irrelevant. Paul reminds us that what matters is where we place our confidence, whether primarily on God or on our own traditions and credentials. In that regard, Paul's advice is as relevant today as it was when it was first given. Secondly, Paul encourages us to examine how we establish our own sense of self-worth. You know, it's one thing if I sit here today and tell you what a great guy I am. I could tell you all about my education, list all my accomplishments, and tell you what a great husband and father I am. But coming from me, it probably wouldn't mean a whole lot, and I bet it would get boring pretty fast. But if someone gives you an honest, objective impression of another person, that opinion has much more credibility, especially if the person giving their opinion is an expert in their field. If you doubt the importance of an objective opinion, consider what happens when you apply for a job or a bank loan. You're asked for references. This just goes to prove that objective opinions matter. Paul is telling his readers, both in the first century and now, to trust God in what God says about them as people. Over the last few weeks, particularly since Christmas, many of our readings have had to do with this subject of incarnation. It's a key theme of the Christian faith and essentially means that God doesn't linger somewhere off in the distance. God cares enough for humanity that he showed up in the person of Jesus Christ to express his love for us. Paul encourages his readers not to be distracted from the reality of what Christ came to tell humanity. Last week I commented that Lent is a time for quiet introspection and self-examination. A significant part of what that means is that we intentionally make the time to examine our lives and how we've been connecting to God. Is it the relationship that we would like it to be? Have we been paying enough attention to that relationship? Only you know your answer to that question, but Paul's words serve as an excellent reminder to tell us not to allow ourselves to be distracted by secondary things. Let's pray. Hear us, Jesus Christ, when we ask for help to recognize temptation, for honesty to face it, for strength to resist it, and the humility to give God the glory. Amen.